So we heard this morning how Mahaprabhu made his desire to travel to South India known, and this devastated his intimate associates. The thought of his separation was unbearable for them, as it was unbearable for him as well. But nonetheless, he wanted to proceed to the South for the sake of the Yuga Dharma, liberation of all of the people, and... Not only South India, of course, but is to extend this preaching lila distribution of the Yuga Dharma all over the world. Indeed, Nityananda Prabhu in this chapter will predict that, that Mahaprabhu's teaching will go all over the world as it's predicted also in Chaitanya Bhagavat. So he insisted on going and there was a tug of war between his sentiments for the devotees and his concern for observing the sannyas dharma and carrying out his mission as the supreme god. Kali Yuga Avatar, the penances and austerities of sannyas life, which were great and unbearable for the devotees, were bearable for the Lord, but separation from his devotees was practically intolerable. It was a much greater pain for him to endure. But he did that, as we'll see, as we know, and that is for, we consider, for our sake. So... We have some appreciation for his sannyas lila, and this was discussed this morning. So while he's announced this, and he's put forward the idea that on the plea of finding his brother, Vishvarup, he has to go. This was very clever on the part of Mahaprabhu, because bringing up family affection, affectionate ties, to convince those who had those kind of ties with him was thoughtful. Of course, he knew already, as Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has explained, as the omniscient Lord, he was aware that Vishwarup had already passed from the world. Indeed, he had entered into the body of Nityananda Prabhu, of whom he is an expansion. But he brought this up and reasoned with them in that way. Still, they were disappointed and they protested. And finally, Nityananda Prabhu came forward and said, All right, but you can't go alone. After all, the political situation being what it is, it's dangerous. There are thieves and rogues, and you're known, as we've seen, to fall into trance and ecstasy and not able to take care of yourself at times. So if we acquiesce to your request, and Mahabhu had very little, he put himself in the hands of his devotees who wanted him to stay, but they are the servants of Mahabhu also, so they don't want to impose their own will upon him, so they're going to acquiesce to his will. But he had put himself in their hands, and they were proposing, well, some of us have to go with you, and all four of us, and then Jagadananda, Nityananda Prabhu, Mukunda, Kadadhar, they should all go with. Mahaprabhu said, no, I have to go alone. I can't take you with me. You're always pampering me in different ways and interfering with my observance of the sannyas. Jagadananda wants me to enjoy like a materialist, and Nityananda Prabhu broke my danda. And Mukunda, he doesn't say anything, but I know how he feels, and that's even worse. He can't tolerate my penances and austerities as a sannyasi, so this is all troublesome. So he did not accept their requests. And 
Nityananda Prabhu now makes a proposal. Krishna's Kaviras Goswami says, Chaitanya Bhakta Vatsalya Akhatya Kathana Apane Bhairagya Dukha Karena Sahana. No one can properly describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's affection for his devotees. He always tolerated all kinds of personal unhappiness resulting from his acceptance of the renounced order of life. Se dukha deki je bhakta dukha pai, se dukha tana shakti sahananayai. Regulative principles observed by Mahaprabhu were sometimes intolerable, and all the devotees became greatly affected by them. Although strictly observing these principles of sannyas, Mahaprabhu could not tolerate the unhappiness felt by his devotees. Gune doshad gar chaleb shabha nishediya ekaki brahmibhen tirta bhairagya koriya. Therefore, to prevent them from accompanying him and becoming unhappy, Mahaprabhu declared their good qualities to be false. The Lord wanted to tour all the places of pilgrimages alone and strictly observe the duties of the renounced order. So, his declaring their good qualities, which were signs of affection for him to be false. He did that earlier. And so here we find that he cannot tolerate being without them, but he cannot tolerate being with them and seeing their pain in his observance of principles of sannyas, which is just very foreign to them. All these devotees are coming from Nadia, and they knew him as Nimai Pandit, and to be a Vaishnav is one thing, but to be a sannyasi and renounce family and friends and all this is... They could not tolerate this. Tobichari Jan Bahu Minatakorila Swatandrishva Prabhu Kabu Namanila. Four devotees then humbly insisted that they go with the Lord, but Mahaprabhu, being independent, and the Supreme Lord did not accept their request. Tobi Nitananda Kohe. So Nitananda then he said, Ye Agnatomar, Dukashuka, Je Hok, Kartavya Amar. Whatever you order is my duty regardless of whether it results in happiness or unhappiness. Kintu ekani vedan karan arbar vichar koriya taha karangikar. Yet I still submit one petition to you. Please consider it, and if you think it proper, please accept it. And previously Nityananda Prabhu suggested I would be the best person to go with you because I know all those places of pilgrimage. He had been there before as Balaram in the previous lila. Mahaprabhu rejected. Now he's coming forward with another... Suggestion, a humble request. Kopin Bahirvas Ar Jalpatra Ar Kichu Nahi Jobe Sabe Matra. You must take with you your loincloth, external clothes, water pot. You shouldn't take anything more than this. Tomadui Hasta Pada Nam Gonane Jalpatra Bahirvas Bohibe Kemone. But you will also be, as we've seen previously, chanting with one hand and counting with the other. And you'll have to be carrying these things, so how is this possible? When along the way you fall unconscious in love of God, who protect your belongings? The water pot, garments, and so forth. Krishna das name e sarla brahmana there is a simple Brahman named Krishna Das. Please accept him and take him with you. That is my request. Jove, Tomar Kichu Na 
You will carry your water pot and garments. You may do whatever you like. You'll not say a word. So here we find Nityananda Prabhu has suggested Krishnadas travel with him, a simple brahmana. Later we'll hear how he did create some disturbance for Mahaprabhu in South India. And when Mahaprabhu returned, he rejected him because he got distracted and, and it became a disturbance to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu had to go and save him from some gypsies. And at that time, upon returning to Puri and relating this, how he was disturbed by Krishnadas, Nityananda Prabhu again, the all-merciful Nityananda Prabhu, showed his kindness to Krishnadas. Imagine his plight. Well, he'd made this great mistake. He was picked out by Nityananda Prabhu himself to accompany Mahaprabhu. And Nityananda Prabhu said, he won't say anything, he'll be no disturbance. I give you my word. Until he became a disturbance at some point. And Mahaprabhu outwardly as a sannyasi, very strict, then he rejected him. How did he feel then before Nityananda Prabhu had recommended him for this task, this seva? You can imagine. But how Nityananda Prabhu responded to that. He gave him again, immediately, the service of Mahaprabhu, and a very important service. Nityananda Prabhu told him, go to Nadia and tell everyone that the Lord has returned from South India. Now, you can imagine what that was like. There he had come to Puri and he was disgraced before all the devotees. Nityananda Prabhu immediately picked him up and sent him to Nadia with a mission in which carrying out and meeting all the devotees of Nadi, he would be the greatest joy of everyone. <laughs> they would praise him and embrace him and preparing that news. Mahaprabhu has returned to Puri, which was, as we've heard, like a second room in the house, Nadia being the other. So news always going back and forth. It meant that the devotees could all come to Puri again and have the darshan of the Lord after he'd been away for over two years traveling in South India. This is the mercy then of Nityananda Prabhu. So Mahaprabhu accepted his proposal. He accepted the request of Nityananda Prabhu and took all the devotees and went to the house of Sarvabhama. As we heard, his whole purpose in coming to Jagannath Puri was to meet with Sarvabhama, his eternal associate, bring out who he was and externally convert him, purify him from his absorption in logic in Advaita Vedanta. And he was such a stout, such a uh, respectable person in Jagannath Puri that practically he had the whole of the Puri under his influence. Young sannyasis would come there to be educated by him and logic and so on. In some places it is said that he never took the Jagannath Prashad. As we heard this morning, though, relating that previous chapter in summary, after Mahaprabhu converted him, that he had great faith in Mahaprasad. In fact, Mahaprabhu measured the extent of his conversion by testing him and bringing Mahaprasad early in the morning. And he arose from bed without any performing any ritual, took the prasad, chanted beautiful verses in glorification of Mahaprasad, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very happy and very pleased with his, the extent to which he'd embraced bhakti. So, very central figure in Lord's Lila in, in Jagannath Puri. And so he had to come there to meet Sarvabhuma and convert him, and thereby the whole of Puri, and now he's going to leave Puri, so he's going to the house of Sarvabhoma, seeking his permission. He had put himself in the hands of Sarvabhoma as a student, learned Vedanta from him. And even after converting him, he maintained this type of relationship of being a subordinate to Sarvabhoma. Not that Sarvabhoma accepted it, but this is the play of love between Mahaprabhu and his devotees.
नमस्कारी सर्वभौम आसन निवेदिला सब करी मिले तोबे आसने बसिला सो सिंसियर द हाउस पतचार्य गेव म आसन एंड पेशेंस सीटिंग एवरीवन एल्स सर्वभौम तो के सीट नानक कृष्ण व्रत कहि कहिल थन हारे तोमार थाणी आइलन अग्न मगी बाड़े आफ्टर दे हैड discussed various topics about Lord Krishna, Mahaprabhu informed Sarvabhoma, I have come to your place just to receive your order. Sanyasi kori vishvarup giyache dakhine avashya kori ba ami tana anveshane. My elder brother Vishvarup has taken sanyasa and gone to South India. I must go and search for him. So again he repeats this. Agnudeha avashya ami dakhine chaliba tomar agnate sukhe liuthi asiba. Please permit me to go, for I must tour South India. With your permission, I shall return soon, very happily. Shuni sarva mohila atyanta khatar, sharne dhariya kohe vishada utar. Upon hearing this, Sarvabhum became very disturbed. Catching hold of the Lord's feet, he gave his sorrowful reply. Again, we see the measure of his conversion and his attachment after many births due to some pious activity, I got your association. Now Providence is breaking this invaluable association. Shire Bajra Pade Yadiputra Mori Jai Taha Sahi Tomar Viched Sahananayai if a thunderbolt falls on my head, if my son dies, I can tolerate it. But I cannot endure the unhappiness of your separation. Swatantra Ishwat Tumi Koribe Gaman Dina Katao Rahadeki Tomar Charana My Lord, you are the independent supreme God. Certainly you will depart, I know that. Still, I ask you to stay here a few more days so that I can see your lotus feet. Tahar Binai Prabhur Sitila Hilaman Rahila Divas Upon hearing the request of Sarabhama Mahaprabhu, relented, he stayed for a few days longer. Natacharja agrahakari karena nimantran prihipakka kari prabhu ke karana bhojana. Natacharja eagerly invited Mahaprabhu to his home and fed him very nicely. Tanhar brahmane thananam satiramata randi vikshad den teho the Bhattacharya's wife, whose name was Sati Mata, did the cooking. The narrations of these pastimes are very wonderful. Ageta Kohiba Taha Koryabhishtar Ebe Kohi Prabhuru Dakshinun Yatra Samachar. Later, I shall tell about this in elaborate detail, but at present, I wish to describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tour of South India. Din Pancharaki Prabhu Bhattacharya Stane. After staying five days at the home of Sarvabhama, Mahaprabhu personally asked his permission to depart for South India. Prabhura Agrahe Bhattacharya Samatahila Prabhu Tanre Rana Jagannath Mandiregila. After receiving the Bhattacharya's permission, Mahaprabhu went to see Jagannath in the temple and took the Bhattacharya with him. Darshan Kori Thakur Pasha Agnamagila Pujari Prabhure Mala Prashad Anandila. Seeing Jagannath, Mahaprabhu also begged his permission. Priest then immediately delivered Prashad in a garland to Mahaprabhu. Agnamala Pana Harshe Namaskar Kuri 
आनंदी दक्षिणे देशे चले गौर हरे Thus receiving Lord Jagannath's permission in the form of a garland, Mahaprabhu offered obeisances in a great jubilation, prepared to depart for South India. Bata charja sange arjata nijagan, Jagannath pradakshin kori kori lagaman. Accompanied by his personal associates and Bata charja sarvabhoma, Mahaprabhu circumambulated the altar of Jagannath and then began to depart on his South Indian tour. Samudra tire tire, Alalanath Pate Sarvabhoma Kohile Nath While the Lord was going along the path to Alalanath, which is located on the seashore, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya gave the following orders to Gopinath Acharya. Chari Kopin Bahirvas Rakiyache Ghare Taha Prasadana Lana Aisa Vipradvare Bring the four sets of loincloth and outer garments that I keep at my home and some prasad of Lord Dragonath. You can carry these things with the help of a brahmana. When Mahaprabhu was departing, Sarvabhama submitted the following request to his lotus feet. He brought these outer garments, coping for him, and then he places an important request. I have one final request that I hope you will kindly fulfill. Ramananda Rai Ache Godavari Tire Adikar Hain Tingho Vidyanagare. In the town of Vidyanagar, on the bank of the Godavari, there is a responsible government officer named Ramanandarai. So this is in Madras, and the kingdom of Pratapurudraj, king of Puri, extended this far, and Puri was his headquarters. And Ramanandarai was the governor of this section in Madras. Shudra Vishai Gyane Please do not neglect him, thinking he belongs to a Sudra family and is engaged in materialistic activities. It is my request that you meet him without fail. Sarvabhama continued, Ramananda Roy is a fit person to associate with you. No other devotee can compare with him in knowledge, of the transcendental mellows. So this is an important verse. Here, of course, in this section, Ramananda Roy is introduced. He was introduced as part of a caste, of course, in earlier chapters in Adi Lila, when all of the devotees in the, all of the caste of the drama of Mahaprabhu's Lila was listed after Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami gave the basic philosophical gist of his work, Chaitanya Charitamrita, then he introduced all the players before beginning to describe the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he did that in a figurative way by comparing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to a gardener and to a tree and the culture of devotion to the culture of a vine and the branches of this tree of bhakti as devotees and the fruits as love of God and so forth. So in that section, Ramananda Roy, of course, is mentioned in passing, as I said, describing all the members of the caste of the drama of Gaur-lila. But here he enters into the narration of the Leela itself and through the mouth of Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. Bhattacharya says some interesting things about him. Here he calls him Rasik Bhakta. In the Gaudiya Grantha scriptures, Kavi Karnapur also wrote about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He wrote a drama, Chaitanya Chandra Dayanataka, 
a drama depicting the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this was previous to Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami's writing Chaitanya Charitamrita. Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami's book is one of the biographies of Mahaprabhu and the last of them, and he's drawing from the work of others to some extent. Now, in that book of Kavikarnapur, this same incident is mentioned, and there Kavikarnapur has Sarvabhama say that you have to meet this Ramananda Roy. He is uh, a Sahaj Vaishnav. Sahaji Vaishnav. So, some people have made much of this, and they have connected this term, Sahajya Vaishnav, with certain practices of Rai Ramananda that we'll hear about much later in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In this section, we'll, in, the, in the next chapter, we'll hear as Mahaprabhu went south, he met Rai Ramananda on the request of Sarvabhama, and they had intimate dealings, and ultimately Mahaprabhu sent Ramananda Roy to Puri to reside there with no work, have no job to do, and no more government minister job, have a pension, and just engage in bhakti. So he lived there with Mahaprabhu for the balance of his Leland, was his very, very intimate associate. And he composed a drama, Jagannath Balabhanataka. And in that drama, he engaged himself in training two Devadasis, ladies who belonged to the temple, in performing that drama. And in doing so, he associated in a solitary place intimately with them. So some persons have connected this phrase of Kavikarnapur, Sahajya Vaishnava, and these practices of sadhana and what they appear to indicate on the surface, which is that they were tantric and left-handed tantric, and therefore Rai Ramananda was a Sahajya with a capital S. Sahajya is a type of religious orientation and that is very, very different from that of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So some persons have tried to make this connection, but if we look carefully at the literature, we find this is very unreasonable on a number of counts. First of all, the well, the term Sahajya, if we look at it, how it's used in all of the Goswami's literature, it comes up here and there. Repeatedly it's used to mean spontaneous, natural, accomplished. It means easy, so natural, spontaneous, accomplished. Taking it in this way, as it's used throughout all the Goswami's writings, whenever it comes up here and there, we find that the term here, used by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, Rasik Bhakta, corresponds with that type of explanation of combining Sahajya with Vaishnav. Sahajya Vaishnav, he's an accomplished, mature, spontaneous, natural Vaishnav, almost like Ragatmika Bhakta, whose Bhakti is innate and and of course, he was a Ragatmika Bhakta, means that he was an eternal associate of Mahaprabhu. He descended for the purpose of assisting the Lord in his Leela. Rai Ramananda, as we'll hear in the next chapter, was the first person amongst Mahaprabhu's associates in a Leela to identify you are Radha and Krishna combined. 
that he was Krishna, that was talked about, that he entered into different bhavas at different times and so forth, that was talked about. But Roy Ramananda first came from him. You are Krishna and Radha combined. Of course, the idea of Radha and Krishna combined as one also has some apparent correspondence with the Sahaja Tantric doctrines. In the Sahaja doctrine, they consider that Radha and Krishna, that means Sahaja Vaishnava, if you want to call it that. Actually, these Sahajas, they, they are a group of people that have borrowed from different doctrines, like Buddhism, Sufism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and so they're Buddhist Sahajas and they're Sufi Sahajas and they're Vaishnav Sahajas. So they've latched on to these larger religious traditions to gain some credibility and then interpreted them in a particular way that fits with the left-handed Tantra. And this way they've gained some credibility that they would not have otherwise. So in the Vaishnav Sahajya, as it might be called, tradition, then Radha and Krishna are like the macrocosmic representation of the microcosmic union between ordinary man and woman. And then they enter into tantric practices which involve sexual interaction with a mentality on the part of the man that I am Krishna and on the part of the woman that I am Radha. And that by certain practices, each will become whole. In other words, the man will become androgynous and the woman as well incorporating within her and within him the female and male aspects, and in this way realize an impersonal, ultimate reality. My point is very, very different than Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So to think that one of the most intimate associates of Mahaprabhu, who is so central to the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that he was the first one, for example, to come out with the idea that Radha and Krishna have combined in one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rasaraj Duyekarup, he said. That such a person who is so central and so intimate, so closely involved with Mahaprabhu could be of a different religious conception than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself is unimaginable. And socially speaking, it's unimaginable too because the Sahaja Tantric group prides itself in immorality and being illiterate. they kind of like, who cares for that? Literacy and all these things. And it's comprised largely of lower-class people. Whereas Mahaprabhu's movement, although comprised often of lower-class people, the lower-class people who get involved in it develop an interest in literacy and good behavior and so forth. So they're very, very different. And in India, as you know, these classes may tolerate, respect one another, but from a reasonable distance. So the idea that Ramananda could be a tantric sahajya and be so intimately associated with Mahaprabhu and the Mahaprabhu in the name of religious tolerance, just to embrace it, it's, it's not very reasonable. And the practices themselves of Ramananda Roy, if we study them, we find they're diametrically opposed to the practices of the Tantrics and Sahajyas, with a capital S, this group. And in other words, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita explains that Roy Ramananda, he taught these ladies how to perform his drama, Jagannath Balabhanataka. He taught them how to make various bodily gestures, moving with their eyes, subtle gestures with their bodies that represented Sanchari Bhavs, Anubhavs, and so forth, all the various elements that give rise to rasa in the drama, and, of course, in Krishna Leela. Described in Chaitanya Charitamrita by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami that he thought himself like an assistant to these two gopis. So he was actually practicing 
least conceptually, a form of Raghunuga Bhakti and Manjari Sadhana. Conceptually, I say, because the actual external practices don't entirely correspond <laughs> with what the Goswamis taught. But we are not to learn from Ramananda Roy about sadhana and how to practice it. We're to learn from the Goswamis. This is the unique, in one sense, position of the Goswamis amongst the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They taught us how to act as sadhakas such that we could enter the Leela. Everybody else is just in the Leela. <laughs> and Roy Ramananda was deeply, deeply in the Leela. And his internal bhava was appearing outside and expressing itself in this way, thinking of the two Devadasis who belonged to the temple. It was a tradition certain girls would belong to the temple. They had some respectability, these type of girls, and they would be invited to dance at different uh, social functions of respectability, not in the tantric sectors and so forth. So he engaged in training them how to sing and enact his drama for the pleasure of Lord Jagannath and all in the mood of a, of a Manjari gopi, a young gopi assisting the sakis, assisting them and helping them in expressing love for Krishna. Never at any time is it described that he thought himself to be Krishna and the ladies to be Radha, and he was seeking some type of impersonal liberation through this. So this is a very kind of superficial analysis. And the very term, Sahajivashnav, as I said, used by Kavikarnapur, is explained here when later on in this biography of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, the same incident is described in the term Rasik Bhakta is used rather than Sahaja Vaishnav. Sahaja Vaishnav means here Rasik Bhakta. This is the position of Rai Ramananda in a very high sense. He was a Rasik Bhakta. Rai Ramananda is described, of course, in different ways in Chaitanya Charitamrita in terms of being an eternal associate of the Lord. Mahaprabhu himself said to Babananda Roy, his father, that you are Maharaj Pandu and your five sons, the Pandavas. Kavi Karnapur in his Gauraganandesh Dipika describes Rai Ramananda as being Arjun amongst the Pandavas. In another place, he's described as Vishaka Gopi, and in another place, he's described as Lalita Gopi. In another place, in Chaitanya Charmita, he's also described as taking on the role of Subal, administering to Mahaprabhu in his ecstasy of Krishna in separation from Radha, as Subal used to do for Krishna. And his other side was Surupdhamada, representing Lalita, pacifying Mahaprabhu in the mood of Radha in separation from Krishna. So he's a complex personality. And this very concept that we find throughout Chaitanya Charitamrita of different devotees being in Gaur-lila, having a representation in Krishna-lila, and sometimes described in one way or another way, is worth... Uh, couple of words of explanation. Basically, the way to understand this is that different devotees, while thinking about this and examining and so forth, have traced out different sentiments owing to their own bhava and attributed these sentiments to these different eternal associates of the Lord at different times, who are, as for example in the case of Rai Ramananda, they're not uh, Jeev Shakti. There are different kinds of souls. In a very general sense, we hear souls are all qualitatively one and quantitatively different from Krishna. So in terms of their being qualitatively one, that's a general statement. Actually, if we look closely, we find there's also a qualitative difference between souls. So some souls, for example, like Rai Ramananda, whether it be considered as Arjuna 
whether it be considered as Subal, Lalita, Vishaka, is a soul who is constituted of the Sarup Shakti. When Jeev Shakti gets overwhelmed by the influence of Sarup Shakti, then he can function in the realm of the Lord's Lila. Jeev Shakti and Sarup Shakti, they are not the same. They never become one. But the Jeev Shakti can be overwhelmed by the Sarup Shakti and thus have admittance and be able to function within the realm of the Lord's Lila. And he does so by cultivating a particular bhava that one of the Lord's associates who is constituted of Sarup Shakti represents. So these are all of them, Arjun and as I say, Lodibhishak, they're all constituted of Surup Shakti. They're not like us. They're generous, and therefore we can become like them <laughs> by their mercy. Shri Ramar used to say the Surup Shakti is not blind. He meant to say that if you try to be a good devotee, they will take notice of you. Just like Prabhupada used to say, don't try to see Krishna, act in such a way Krishna will want to see you. So if some new fellow comes to the ashram and we ask him about himself and he tells us and we find he's so very qualified in so many ways, we should join with us, come within our midst. And he says, no, I don't feel qualified. Will we agree with him? We'll say, no, you're very qualified. Come right in, stay here. So the Surup Shakti is like that. Even though we have an inherent defect in the sense that we're prone to the present condition that we're in, although we are spiritual by nature, inherently, we're not matter, we have will, we're a unit of consciousness, we're prone to our present condition. Surup Shakti is not prone to that, to being overwhelmed by Maya. So we're inherently defective, not only from a material point of view, do we lack qualification. In other words, no material qualifications qualify us from entering the Lord's Lila, but spiritually speaking, in terms of our constitution, there's something lacking. We're prone to the present condition that we find ourselves in. So by the overwhelming grace kindness of the Surup Shakti that overlooks our fault, so to speak, like a mother calls her blind son Padmalochan, overlooking the fault of his blindness, she calls him Lodicide, out of love. So the Surup Shakti looks at us in this way, if we make any sincere effort to serve the Lord, and ultimately brings us up and makes us fit then for participating in the Leela of the Lord. So our position is one thing, but these type of devotees position is different. Hanuman is said to have appeared in Gorlila as Mari Gupta, and there was some discussion on Tatvivek that I saw that, oh, but in his Kadacha, he seems to be Gornagar in his orientation. And then there's the consideration of well, Gornagar has been, may appear like that in his Gornagar Bhav, ostensibly in his notes, but those who have drawn from his notes to write Chaitanya Charitamrita Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, for example, and Vrindavan Das Thakur drew from his notes to write Chaitanya Bhagwat. They have rejected this Gornagar Bhav. That has to be considered. But other than that, my point is in bringing these type of eternal associates up, whether it be Hanuman or Lalita Vishaka, Arjun, their position, as I've mentioned before, in the literature is one thing in general to teach us about a certain type of devotion, a certain standard of devotion. But their own position is not limited to that. They may appear in any number of the Lord's Leelas in any number of ways and experience any number of relationships and sentiments. It will be enough for us to find out what is our potential. <laughs> that will be overwhelming, what to speak of, to understand there. So that's what we're hearing sometimes in Chaitanya Charitamrita when we hear, oh, he's Arjun and he's Lalita and he has the mood of Subal and all these things. So at any rate, Ramananda Roy, a great personality, a very important personality, and Sarvabhama Bhattacharya previously 
misunderstood him. Vaishnava is very, very difficult to understand. He didn't understand Mahaprabhu. We heard this morning he called him Vaishnava Sanyasi. When he said Om Narayan and Mahaprabhu said Krishna Matir Astu. Tarabhum replied, oh, he's a Vaishnava Sanyasi. Hmm. I should try to elevate him hmm, to a higher order of sannyas, respectability. As I mentioned this morning, it seems like for a long time now, Vaishnavism is lacking respectability, and uh, part of that's due to its being a difficult doctrine to understand. Again, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhignina Bhujai. To understand the movements, the activities of a Vaishnav is very, very difficult. They look sometimes like those of even an ordinary person. Here is the prime example of Ramananda Roy. What has Sarvama said? Sudra, Vishayi. Don't think of him as a Sudra and a Vishayi. Vishayi means a materialist, although he appears like that. And I thought of him like that, and I also thought of him as a Vaishnav in a derogatory way. But now that I've been converted to Vaishnavism and I've understood what it means by your grace, in retrospect, thinking back about this fellow, this government minister, I can understand that he and you have something very deep in common. And I know it will be very pleasing to you to meet with him. So again, the measure, the extent of Sarvabhuma's conversion, which is the main event in Mahaprabhu's first arriving in Puri, is still being brought out as he's leaving Jagannath Puri. Now he's making a testimony. Oh, I misunderstood and I thought ill, perhaps even, of Rai Ramananda. But now I know his position is very, very high. So Vaishnavism, difficult to understand. Roy Ramananda, when he meets Mahaprabhu, comes on a palanquin with musicians playing hmm? <laughs> and Brahmins surrounding and so forth. And Mahaprabhu is sitting in a lonely place as a sannyasi and Mahaprabhu gets up and embraces him and tears pouring from their eyes and all the Brahmins looking at what's going on. And, and then their famous conversation, Ramananda Samvad ensues, which has been compared to Bhagavad Gita being respoken again and where we find Ramananda Roy as Arjuna and so forth. So these are all the feelings of the devotees. If we try to put it into like linear terms, well, does that mean that Arjuna came as Ramananda Roy? And, we should not try to limit it and put it in the fist of our intellect like that. These are feelings. If we study Ramananda Samvad, we see it's teaching a gradation of theistic thought, which is what is involved in Bhagavad Gita as well. So anyway, Sarvabhama is now playing an important part, introducing Ramananda Roy into the narrative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, the Prakat Leela. He says, Panditya Ar Bhakti Ras he is the most learned scholar as well as an expert in devotional mellows. Actually, he's most exalted. And if you talk with him, you will see how glorious he is. I could not realize this when I first spoke with Ramananda Roy. I didn't understand that his, all his actions were all transcendental and uncommon. I made fun of him simply because he was a Vaishnav. We are warned to be careful about this. By your mercy, I can now understand the truth about Ramananda Roy. In talking with him, you will also acknowledge his greatness. Angikar kori prabhu tanghar vachana Mahaprabhu accepted Sarvabhama's request that he meet Ramananda Roy, bidding him farewell. The Lord embraced him. 
We'll stop at this section and ask if there's any questions. Yes? Um, in your explanation of Sahajya uh, and left hand, right hand, for some time in, in the West there's been this fascination with Tantra, you know, both in a distorted kind of way and in a kind of enlightened way. But at the same time, it seems like Orthodox Gaudiya Vaishnavism certainly Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Sasmi Thakur seems to regard any kind of left-handed tantra as completely heretical and you know anathema to the pure tradition but in 500 years or so since Chaitanya Mahaprabhu not counting modern Gaudiya Vaishnavism has there been in uh, that you know of has there been any actual incorporation of that left-handed in any kind of spiritual practice. To further substantiate my point that Ramananda Roy was not a Sahaja with a capital S, at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there was no cult called Sahajiyas. So that developed after <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Not that there weren't tantrics and so forth, but those who merged with Gaudiya Vaishnavism then they came after the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there's no orthodox combination of the left-handed Tantra and Gaudiya Vaishnavism. See, they're very different. The Vaishnavas are the Bhaktas, and these Tantrics are the Shaktas. Now, Gaudiya Vaishnavism does incorporate Tantra, but the right-handed Tantra, all of its practices, all the mantras come from the Tantra. And all those nice prayers, glorifying Radha and so forth, it's all from the Tantra. But this is the right-handed Tantra, mixing with Vedas and Puranas. And the left-handed Tantra, it's a whole different philosophical conception from Vaishnavism. I mean, it's not bhakti, it's idealist, impersonal form of mukti. So I guess my question then was, is there a form of left-handed Tantra that isn't impersonal? No. You're saying that you know, the male and female come together and they kind of neutralize and yeah, no, there's not. The personal idea of liberation and rasa and all this is all Vaishnavism in one form of Vaishnavism or another. And it's, you know, has its scriptural legacy and so forth. But all the tantras, that left-handed tantras, all, and I brought this out in my book, Rasa, also. That was one of the thrusts of the book that all the traditions out there, those that even acknowledge some type of spiritual emotion other than Gaudiya Vaishnavism ultimately do away with it. Only the Vaishnavas give a place in eternality for feeling <laughs> emotion and relationships, therefore the subtitle love relationships and transcendence. And the one group that overtly seems to advocate that, this left-handed tantric group, in ultimate analysis doesn't at all accept emotion and the possibility of relationship existing on the spiritual platform in transcendence. And of course, the people that are embracing some popularized form of Tantra in the West, many people besides Bodhi Vaishnavas have rejected that and seen through that. And well, it also ties in with the, the age of... Well, it fits real well with this idea of being androgynous and... Uh, and just, which has become popular. Age of like anything goes in terms of morality and uh, mm-hmm. kind of turning everything on its head and you know not accepting mm-hmm. traditional concepts. 
Really, the real popular forms of uh, sahaja have been those that are, as I said earlier, mixed with these larger traditions, which gives them greater credibility. This, the idea of Radha and Krishna and the Lila is a very fascinating thing. It doesn't come from them exclusively. They, they borrowed and connected with the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, get more mileage and credibility in this way. But uh, one thing worth discussing is sahaja with a capital S, an actual group, sahaja like Prakrita Sahajis, for example, you know. Gaudiya, Vaishnava, so-called Sahajis. And then there's the small s that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati used to call so many people, that even in orthodox Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as Sahajis. And he used it in that way because of their, in one way or another, in his estimation of taking the higher conceptions of Vaishnavism a little bit cheaply. One thing that one can enter into them, enter into Madhurya, the sweet conception of Krishna, without really passing through the Aishvarya, which we talked about, the importance of this morning, which Mahaprabhu's Sanyas Leela actually speaks to us about. So anything else? Yes? I want to ask a question a little bit, a little bit off the topic. Sure. Um, I was uh, mentioning my experience in Japan recently of people that are chanting the Maha Mantra without a lot of guidance and a lot of direction. And I was, I think it was Vichara was commenting today uh, how it's important when you receive the Hare Krishna mantra to receive the proper conception or the conception that's, and who you receive the mantra from, their conception of it is associated with the mantra. I don't know. My, I actually, I've never read that anywhere in um, Chichen Chandramrita or the Hare Nam Chintamani. Or, and so I was wondering in that reference and that connection with um, these individuals who are chanting, especially like in Japan, some people, um, they're, it's common to chant the name of Buddha for a material gain, for example, mm-hmm. without any real conception of who God is. And so I was just wondering, what is the uh, position of someone like that? And just like it says in the Hari Chintamani, if someone's chanting the name, but they're committing the ten offenses, they're in the non-bas. But then Haridas Thakur is explaining how the non-boss stage is actually pretty glorious in a liberated position, but not necessarily... Well, one thing is, with regard to getting the mantra from the right person, it is mentioned in the scripture, So that we should hear about Krishna, so it could be taken, we should hear about Krishna Nam, who is not different from Krishna, from a Vaishnav. So if we get the name from somebody else, for example, if we get the name from the Mayavadis and their conception of the name, that ends up in Brahman. And Sridhar once said that Mayavadis may be chanting Hare Krishna with that in mind, and it's painful to Krishna. So in a, in a general sense, then we should get Hare Krishna mantra from the Vaishnavas. Then we should get from Gaudi Vaishnavas. As far as the mantra itself, for Krishna Nam, having effect on persons who have no understanding of its meaning, a positive effect, that's certainly possible. And the classic example of that, not the Hare Krishna mantra, but the Gopal mantra, is Gopal Kumar in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami. He knew nothing about who the Supreme Lord was or what the meaning of the mantra was or anything of the sort, but he chanted it and as uh, the narration goes, he went through all the different religious conceptions and ended in Goloka Vrindavan, where he was destined to find his final resting place as a cowherd boy. 
So that's possible. But in the practical reality, while well, with books like that may be there to stress the glory and the power of Krishna Nam and Krishna Mantra, the practical reality is that people need advice and oftentimes they need even at some point more philosophy than they need chanting. Maybe in the beginning they need more chanting and less philosophy, but somewhere in between that and a similar stage at the end, where they don't need any philosophy, just chanting, they need a lot of philosophy <laughs> to progress. I remember once I went to Hawaii and I was staying with some devotees and they were going to have a program and some people started to file in and I was there chatting with them and one fellow told me, yes, we get together all the time on the island here and we, we chant. And he knew I was there to give a talk. And he said, but we don't have any talks, any philosophy. We just chant. We chant all night. We stay up all night and chant. And I thought, you know, with the help of something, which was pretty common in Hawaii. And uh, <laughs> and sure enough, as I found out later, I was right. <laughs> they stay up all night and chant, but their chanting is helped by some, some intoxication and so forth. And so they don't want to hear any philosophy, especially the philosophy that they shouldn't take intoxication. <laughs> they want to get the full benefits of the chanting. So I tell them, I said, this philosophy for you is just hearing the talk is more important than your, than your chanting. You didn't like it too much, but it was true. Prabhupada, uh, he said that in the beginning he gave out the Hare Krishna mantra as an experiment to see what would happen. He started giving it out to people to see what would happen. And when he started to see the results, then he started to teach a system. You know, he, he, start, he implemented what he called bhakti yoga now. And it was rising early in the morning and certain practices and worshipping of the deity and so forth. So Harinam Prabhu has the Bhagavat Marg and then this bhakti yoga, as he conceived of it then, is this Pancharatra, Pancharatriki Bhiti. So no harm in giving the name out to people as an instance you're discussing there, but it would be certainly helpful for those persons to hear more and come to the proper conception of Harinam so they don't commit offenses and they can make progress. The Krishna Nam is said to be independent of initiation. Jiva Goswami brings up the argument in his Bhakti Sandarbha, well, Krishna Nam is independent, but Krishna Mantra is only made up of Krishna Nam, basically, so it must be independent too. And he says, actually it is. But at the same time, the mantra and the nam, namaprabhu, have traditionally, since time immemorial, distributed themselves to people through sadhus and guru to disciple, guru to disciple. So this system should be honored. Otherwise, namaprabhu may decide not to reveal himself, even if you're chanting. But anyway, I think it's good and was interesting what you just described. Got to start somewhere. But the, the most important thing probably is to have the guidance of a Vaishnava. It's really the anchor on the boat of spiritual life. And if you pull that up, or it's, it's not the anchor, but the, uh, what do you say? The rudder. The rudder. So if you're without that, you're adrift and where you may go. Nobody knows. So you should go there more often and train them. <laughs> Anything else? All right, we'll stop there. Chaitanya Chaitamrita ki jai. Sri Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrindu ki jai. Gopramanandi.